I feel like in any scenario, we can ask ourselves, how can I trust myself here and start to build from that place and to understand that confidence really is just trust, whether it's in someone else or in yourself. Hi, I'm Kelly Namiro. Welcome to the Balancing Chaos podcast, a lifestyle podcast where we'll talk about wellness, motherhood, and some really exciting things in between. My goal is to help you develop a lifestyle that promotes health, wholeness, and success. Through my conversations with our experts and guests, I hope to inspire you to live a beautiful, full, and joyful life as you navigate balancing the chaos. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Balancing Chaos podcast. On today's show, we have a really extraordinary guest joining us. Simi Bodich is a personal architect for building a deeply fulfilling relationship with yourself. And I know firsthand because Simi was actually my very first coach ever. And she was truly such an inspiration in my life when it came to building more trust with myself, re- building the relationship that I had with my body, with food, with movement. She absolutely changed my perspective on everything. And um, I want to walk you guys through that a little bit, but to give Simi more of an intro, she began her career as an attorney, but since has transformed into a mindset mentor, intuitive eating counselor, and health and life coach. She is also the founder of Unmeasured and the author of Letting Go of Leo, a book about breaking up with perfectionism, which I know a lot of the women in our audience could use. For over a decade, Simi has been guiding women worldwide to reconnect with their inner wisdom, heal their relationships with food and movement, and live authentically. She is all about nurturing self-trust and self-compassion. So if you want to learn more about her, I highly recommend that book, Letting Go of Leo. I related to everything she wrote in there um, or going over to listen to more insightful conversations on her podcast, The Unmeasured Podcast. So this episode, we are going to be talking all about self-compassion and self-trust, and we are going to have a really cozy conversation. So get ready. Let's jump right in. Simi, welcome to the show. Kelly, I am so happy to be here with you today. And that was just <laughs> very kind of you, everything that you shared. And it's really special to be here with you today, having getting to have this cozy conversation. Nothing I love more in life than coziness. So that was like <laughs> perfect. And I also think it's so amazing to see you just shining like so brightly. And because you are so connected to yourself and you, that is like such a guiding light for you now, like seeing how you are helping people to transform their relationships with themselves is absolutely amazing and so inspiring. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that truly. It means a lot. And I will tell you, like, I, I was telling you before we jumped on, um, about how, like, I, I don't think we've actually talked in like 10 years. It's maybe been yeah nine, eight, nine, 10 years, but I, uh, it was just like, you were my coach before I ever had kids before I ever transitioned my business. And just like looking at where I am in my life, I know that without going through that journey with you and being able to say like, Hey, I want to build back more trust with my body. I want to, I wouldn't have so much of what I have today. And so I'm like almost getting emotional thinking about it. So I just want to tell you, thank you for that because it means so much to me. Um, but I want, so I feel like for me, that was a real transition point, right? It was like right before I, um, got married and wanted to have kids. And I remember having conversations with you about that. Like I have to be able to get my period back and to be able to like have a comfortable relationship with food so that I can like heal my body and have kids one day and like all of this stuff and like all of that stuff eventually did fall into place and happen for me. But it wasn't until I actually made the commitment to care for myself and nourish myself um, without caring as much what so many other people thought. And I remember you telling a story. I've seen you. Um, I don't know if it was a blog post or a podcast that I heard you, but you had a coach yourself, um, that like completely shifted your life. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that experience for you and what that was like? Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I, you mentioned, you know, that there were all these desires, right? You had all these desires for your life and all these these hopes and dreams and like this vision for your life. And then ultimately those things fell into place. But I do just want to give you the credit for those things falling into place. I know, like, without doing the know, work. 
<laughs> yes, they fell into place because of your commitment to yeah. loving yourself and to and to building that kind of relationship with yourself. Um, I also had an experience with uh, a coach that completely transformed my life. Her name's Amy. I think of her as an angel. Like when I think about that time, it literally feels like this angel was put into my path to help me to overcome certain hurdles that I needed to, to be able to, you know, be on the journey that my life has been since then. I worked with Amy when I was a first year associate at a law firm. So it was my first year practicing law. I had really struggled in my relationship with myself, my relationship with my body, which really manifested in a lot of disordered eating, a lot of food restriction, a lot of over-exercising, but all of the restriction and the over-exercising also resulted in me binge eating. So I had had a period of time where I was really restrictive, following all these rules, running all these miles, doing all the all of the things. And I felt like it was going well, not because it was actually going well, but because I was getting a lot of praise and people were so impressed with my willpower. People would compliment my body. And it felt like I had gone from always feeling like my body was a problem for so many years of my life. And I was like, I finally cracked the code. I'm doing all of the things that I had always hoped I would be able to do and have the willpower to do. And now finally I do, and I'm getting all this praise and everything's going really well. Even though also at that time, I was like terrified to go out to dinner with friends. And I, you know, I, everything was so measured. Everything was so calculated. It, everything was obsessive. And I was in law school at the time and the environment was very high pressure, very competitive, and it was all just compounding. Well, ultimately, my body does the thing that our bodies do so beautifully, which is starts to send you louder and louder messages that like things are not going well. <laughs> and I lost my period. I started binge eating. And that is when I started to feel like I had a problem when I started binge eating, because I was like, oh no, now I'm scared. I'm scared because I'm not in control scared. anymore. Yes. Graduated from law school, moved from Chicago to Columbus, Ohio, where I live now, because I had a job at a law firm here. My husband and I got married. So it was a lot of big transitions at once. And I had a full on breakdown to him on our honeymoon, where I was just like, things are not good. Like I hate my body. I'm constantly at war with myself in my head. We're out to dinner at this beautiful restaurant. And all I can think about is how many miles am I going to have to run tomorrow to make up for this? Yeah. And I'm so well, uncomfortable. Well. <laughs> yes. And he was like, in more words, basically, Hey, I think there's some things going on here. You don't have to feel this way this isn't normal. This isn't good. Yeah. You got to get some help. And so we came home from the honeymoon and I was like frantically Googling. I didn't know what a coach was at the time, but stumbled upon, upon a website to Amy Marsloff, who was my original coach. Yeah. And I was reading her website and I'm just like, I need this woman in my life. Like she was so speaking like right to me. I had a consultation with her. I think I cried the entire time. I don't know if I said like two words. I was just sobbing the entire time. <laughs> Signed up to work for her, to work with her. And that was such a turning point for me because in my work with her, yeah. we really started to identify the fact that I did not really know myself very well. Like I didn't even know what food I liked. I could tell you what food I thought I was supposed to eat. I could tell you like how much of it I was supposed to eat, but like I was so out of touch yeah. with my own preferences, with my own self. And we did so much healing in that coaching container. Like she really helped me see myself and get to know myself and have more fun and more pleasure and find freedom from so much of the rigidity. And that was such a turning point for me because during that time, I also discovered like, oh my gosh, I don't think I want to be an attorney. 
so I, I was having this sort of, you know, like body physical health experience and healing, but I was also having this moment of realizing that a lot of the choices that I had made in my life were not intrinsically motivated or were not intrinsically guided. And it was time to, you know, to do something about that because your life is your life. And at the end of the day, like we have to live with the consequences of our choices. And I sort of had this moment of like, whoa, um, these are the choices that I'm making. Are these the choices that I actually want to be making? Are the, do I want to live with the consequences of these choices? And so, um, had a big career transition at the time and, uh, it's been scary at moments, but also wonderful. And I feel like at the end of the day, I get into bed and I feel like, wow, I I really like know myself and I live today like as myself. And it's incredible to get to connect with other women and support other women in doing that as well. Cause like, there's just no greater joy than seeing someone like loving who they are. What's really interesting and what I've learned through my own practice. And then also from the time that I even had when I was working with you, is like everything that you had like on your Instagram and even now, or like, you know, on your website, I was like, what you said about your coach, Amy, it was like, this speaks to me. Like, I feel like this person like understands me. And I feel like that's how, you know, you're going to be with a good coach because it's somebody who's vulnerable with their story. And you feel like you could feel safe in the space with them. And so, um, one question that came up for me when you were speaking was like this idea of like, we all are like, or a lot of us, I shouldn't say we all, but a lot of us are going through this experience where we feel disconnected from ourselves, especially as women, where, whether we're disconnected from our bodies or disconnected from what our life purpose should be. And I know that that was an experience that I personally went through on all of the fronts. Um, I feel, felt like I had to go get my MBA because my parents expected that of me. I felt like I, you know, could only eat certain foods because that's what I learned from diet culture along the way. And you talk a lot about those things, but if you could give a general consensus, why as women, do we get so disconnected? Why are we so enticed by all of the shoulds in life? I feel like there is so much societal conditioning. And I think when we talk about societal conditioning, we have to remember that every person also in society is being conditioned too, right? So like people are passing things down like generation to generation. So when we talk about societal conditioning, it's like, yeah, it might be the things that like growing up we saw in magazines or like now on social media, but it's also the messages that you're receiving, you know, from the adults in your life, from teachers, from medical providers, from your friends. There's so much societal conditioning for women specifically around what it means to be good. And I really believe that we are told in a lot of different ways. And we see this playing out, like even with celebrities in, you know, like in the media, the way that like women are treated in politics and whatever it might be, right? Like we just see these things over and over. There are lots of examples that we're reminded of where it's like you to be good. We want you to be small. Mm -hmm. We want you to be cooperative. We want you to be quiet. We want you to be like worried about everyone else's needs. We want you to be self-sacrificial. And we're just really reminded that the more we do that, the more good we are. That's full, right? Whatever we are. Yes, exactly. And I, I really feel like that happens at so like on so many levels and even as like a little kid. So I have a, I have a daughter and a son and you just hear the way that people talk, like speak differently to boys versus girls or the things that like, you know, if you think about like gender, the things that certain like genders are pushed to be interested in. And then like what those messages are, right? Like I have two kids who I've been like, I want them to love whatever they love. And I want to support them to have whatever interests they have. And I just happen to have two kids who have like very, like my son is very interested in all the things that stereotypically boys are interested in. My daughter is very interested in all the 
things stereotypically that girls are interested in. And I just like already see as they're engaging with their interests, they're getting like very different messages. And so I think it even starts like that, you know, that early. And then we are human beings. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We, those are, those are needs, right? If we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like it is a need to be like, to have love, to have acceptance. And we learn through all these different interactions, what we feel like we need to do to get those needs met. And we start the self-manipulation there. And I think depending on a specific person's, you know, like family or where they went to school or what their friend group, you know, might've been, those things can look, those things can look different, but I really feel like it is a desire to have those needs met that starts early on because of societal conditioning that we need to manipulate ourselves and shape shift to make everyone else comfortable so that we, you know, get to be there. And I, um, I mean, I know that I have felt that in, in my life and it's hard to, it's hard to change patterns mm-hmm. that you've been doing for decades where also it's like, well, you know, maybe as a, as a child or a teenager or whatever, these things did get, get those needs met in one way or another. But I also think it's like at what, what is the, ex- at cost. what price? Yeah. yeah, totally. What's the cost? And as adults, we are sort of in this really beautiful position of saying, I don't need to rely on these other people in the room to meet my needs. Like I can kind of take that power back a little bit into my own hands and create an environment inside myself, within myself, where I feel safe and I feel loved and I feel accepted. And then the really like amazing part of that is that it trickles down, right? Like it changes the way it changes the way that we parent. It changes the messages that we put out on the internet. It changes the way we interact with our friends. And I think that's such a cool thing that it actually isn't selfish at all, even though I am in favor of people having moments that are just about themselves. Like that's not, I don't think that's bad or wrong. I love that. Um, And I think everybody benefits when we have more people connected to their, to their true selves. Yeah. I honestly, like, I remember a time like in my twenties where I was going through that whole kind of idea of like putting up boundaries and not, you know, being so reliant on my honestly, my parents for like the external validation and like trying to connect more truly to myself and like what would actually make me happy versus what makes them happy or, or whatnot. And for the people out there who feel like they're in a place of like, whether it's people pleasing or trying to show up perfectly for everybody else, like how does one start to, and like, obviously they should probably start coaching with you or read your book, but like, what, how does one start to disconnect from the external validation and the need for that external validation and start to tune into themselves to start to feel safe? Because I feel like for me, like if I look back at that time in my life, I feel like it was a completely different person than I am now. And obviously it took all these teeny tiny little steps forward. Um, But if we could go back to, for the audience, for somebody who wants to start working on that. Well, I think it's so beautiful that you just said it's like a lot of teeny tiny little steps because I do believe that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like (laughs) fix, it's like fix this now or do this now, or, you know, make this quantum leap and no longer be reliant on external validation. It's like, okay, the first thing I would say is that it's going to be a lot of teeny tiny steps. I think a necessary first step is awareness. So a lot of people don't have deep awareness of how this is showing up in it for them in their life. So I think that's a beautiful place to start is like, keep a, I don't know, a notes app in your phone or a little journal pad and just think through each day, like what were the moments, whatever it might be that you feel like is your opportunity, right? Like what were the moments where 
I didn't, I denied what I needed to like people please for someone else, or I didn't listen to myself in order to be people pleasing, or I wanted to put up a boundary, but I was afraid of what it might mean. Or I was looking for someone else in my life to let me know that I'm okay. Right. Looking for that validation. This works with food stuff too, right? Like if it's like with intuitive eating, okay. Just awareness around like, what are even the rules that you have with food or with movement or whatever it might be like that awareness is so key. And then I think from there you can, you have a full picture and it's like, okay, so here's where I am. I know where I want to go. I know why that's important to me. I know why this, this growth or growth or healing feels like really important. Mm -hmm. And then you can identify a really small step, um, based on whatever the specifics there might be. And it's like, okay, for the next week, I'm going to practice like not apologizing when I didn't do something wrong. Or like if I run into someone, you know, I feel like this is like a great starting place. If I, if someone runs into me, I'm not going to apologize. I'll just say, excuse me. I love that you bring that up. Cause even what I was thinking about when I was thinking back to that, like 20 some year old version of myself and like creating the steps of like those teeny tiny steps forward. One of the first things was, I remember I had somebody who I worked with at the time when I was still working a corporate job who would call me at like 11 o'clock at night. And I would always answer the phone and I'd be like, yeah, like, what can I do? How can I help? And then it would like create this like massive effect into the next day of like me feeling anxious, me feeling not well rested, me feeling overwhelmed. And I think that just not answering the calls after 9 PM was like my first boundary that I set. Then it's like, okay, I feel safe that like, nothing's going to happen. Nothing bad is going to happen if I don't like not do this. And so I think that's one of the big things that you talk about a lot is like building this trust within yourself, um, in order to feel more confident. And I think that a lot of women have this false sense of, um, reality that we get confidence from losing 10 pounds, or we get confidence from feeling like we look really good in the photo or getting the job promotion or whatever it is, but your philosophy and what I I truly believe in as well is that confidence comes from self-trust. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Definitely. So I really believe that like we could replace the word confidence with trust in any situation, right? So I'm here I feel confident that we're going to have a great conversation on this podcast because I trust you, right? I'm like, I trust that you are a great podcast host, that you want to make your, you know, (laughs) that you want to connect with your guests, right? Like, so I trust you here. I feel confident in this conversation. I have self-confidence here because I trust myself to be, you know, like listening to you and responding in a way that is authentic, whatever the question might be. In any scenario, I believe where we are lacking confidence, it's like, okay, I don't trust myself here. Now, if you ask me to edit this podcast episode, I I do not have confidence in, I don't have confidence there because I don't trust myself to edit a podcast episode because I've never done it before. But what I, where I can find confidence is that I'm good at asking for help. And so I could ask for help with that. And so I think in any scenario where we feel like we are lacking confidence, rather than fixating on the lack of confidence, I love to ask the question, how can I trust myself here? Yeah. There is always something small that we can trust about ourselves in any, like in any scenario and being able to think about it through that lens, I think helps us. I kind of think of those as like little C confidence. It's like, if we can stack those and stack those, then we get the experience to have like big C confidence in any, in any scenario. Like if I'm on day one of a brand new job, I'm not going to feel super confident doing that job yet. I haven't practiced and that takes practice. But I can have confidence that um, I 
know how to ask thoughtful questions and that I'm going to learn from my mistakes and things like that. And so I feel like in any scenario, we can ask ourselves, how can I trust myself here and start to build from that place and to understand that confidence really is just trust, whether it's in someone else or in yourself. Are you exhausted trying to find solutions for your hormonal imbalances or trying to figure out why you have these symptoms, whether it's that you can't sleep or you're exhausted all the time, or you feel like you're super bloated and you can't button your jeans or you can't lose those last five pounds, whatever it is, look no further because I spent so many years of my life trying to search for answers and going from doctor to doctor. I put together all of the knowledge that I accumulated over those years and put it into a 17-week health and hormones e-course. It is this comprehensive program that covers a wide range of hormonal imbalances from adrenal and thyroid issues to menstrual irregularities and fertility problems and everything in between. If you have been battling with weight loss, metabolism, digestion, bloating, sleep, energy, anxiety, irritability, whatever it is, we've got you covered. What sets this course apart is that I'm all about holistic solutions. I believe in addressing the root cause of hormonal imbalances and providing you with the tools that you need to rebalance your hormones naturally because it is possible. But that's not all. Today, I'm really excited because we're offering our podcast listeners something really special. When you enroll in our health and hormones e-course, you're going to receive an emailed lab review at no additional cost. I want to ensure that you have the most personalized and effective approach to regain your hormonal balance. So if you're ready to take care of your hormones in a really natural way and find the solutions that you've been looking for, you can join us for a free webinar where we're going to discuss the most common catalysts for hormonal imbalance and share some of the top solutions to help you reverse and address them. It's your chance to gain these really valuable insights and take the first steps to a healthier and happier you. And the best part is, is that when you enroll in the health and hormones e-course during the webinar, we are offering you that email lab review complimentary on us. It's our way of showing you just how committed we are to helping you achieve your wellness goals. So don't wait any longer. Visit us at our website, www.wellnessbykelly.com and sign up for our free webinar and gain some really valuable knowledge to your hormonal health. When you're ready to take action, enroll in that health and hormones course and get that emailed lab review on us. It's time to take charge of your health and well-being before the end of the year. Get started now at www.wellnessbykelly.com. So for all of the ladies out there who I know I work with a good amount of them, um, there are a lot of them who come into my DMs who talk about, especially like given that a lot of what I talk about on my platform is around hormones and yes. body and stuff like that. Like how can we apply that kind of idea of trusting yourself to feeling more confident in your physical body? Yes. So I think that number one, it can be really helpful to make a small promise to yourself and keep that promise. So that's like such a beautiful way to start building that sense of that sense of, you know, confidence within, within ourselves. Right. So whether it's like each morning, I'm going to ask myself this question and then I'm doing it repeatedly over time and like really building up that practice of self-connection. If it is, um, I with, I mean, with the body specifically, it's like, okay, I trust that, um, my body is working for me, even when I'm not conscious of it. Right. So like, I haven't thought about breathing this entire episode that we're chatting. Right. But my body is working for me and is supporting me. And I think sometimes like just remembering the things that are already happening, the ways that you can trust your body, the ways that your body is supporting you, that that can be a really beautiful thing to connect to, keeping promises to ourselves, um, you know, tuning into what your body already is doing for you. And then I also think that it's so helpful to have a mindset of practicing things 
with yourself, like experimenting with things. So trying something and then reflecting, like, how did that actually feel? This builds so much self-connection where you're kind of in dialogue with yourself. It's not just, um, okay, I saw this on Instagram and now this is what I should do. And now I have to do this regardless of how it feels, right? I was literally talking about that this morning on Instagram about like, there's so many people who will come in and be like, oh, well, this wellness thing like makes me feel super overwhelmed. And it's like, well, that's probably because you're doing 9 million things that you see on Instagram versus checking in with yourself and seeing what actually works for you. Yes, absolutely. So I think that that's also, I think that's also huge. And I, I will also just share the times and Kelly, I'd be so curious if this feels true for you too. The times that I have felt best in my life, in my, in my own body. And I don't mean like the times I've looked in the mirror and been like, oh, I love how I look the most, but like really feel good in my body. Those are the times where I've had pretty simple things that feel good that I'm consistent with. It's not the times where I've overwhelmed myself with so many things, but I have these, I have these, you know, these practices, I have these, these rituals in my relationship with myself that work for that season in my life. Like, I think that's a big thing, right? Different times in life, different things work and different things make sense, but that work with that season of my life that feel really good. And because they feel really good and they work for my life. And of course you still have to be intentional about it, but I crave them and I want to do them. And I'm doing those things on a consistent basis. And it's like, wow, I feel so good. Thanks to those, thanks to those things. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that like, for me, it's just super simple. Like it's 20 minutes of movement. It's 10 minutes of meditation and it's not overcomplicating it. Like when I used to overcomplicate it, when it had to be like two hours of, you know, being on the treadmill and like, just like, it was just so much all the time and all the rigidity with that, that was when I felt the most overwhelmed and like the most, like, not, like you said, not like I was at home or like, I felt completely uncomfortable in my body because I think that stress really does play a a huge role in how we feel in our bodies. We start to like have digestive distress and we start to hold onto water and all of these things start happening when we feel super overwhelmed. And so if we can simplify and bring things back to like what works for me, I actually remember a practice that you had me do and it was super simple, but it was like, because of the relationship that I had with movement, um, it did feel so rigid and I didn't trust my body. I was like every single day having to do the exact same workout routine. And one of the things that you were like, just go outside and like lay your hands on your belly and like, just ask yourself, like, what does my body feel like doing today? And I feel like just that alone, kind of like pausing and asking the question. I think that so many of us don't take the time to pause and ask, Hey, what could I use a little bit more of today? What would be helpful on my journey today? Because we're not these like rigid, like boxes that like this, we need that we're not robots. We don't need the same exact thing every day. It's so true. And I really, really love like, I love a good, I love a good question because I I do feel like curiosity creates connection, right? And it's like, we're so quick to judge ourselves and we're so quick to, you know, that inner critic voice gets loud. And then that feels like it's driving, you know, it's driving where we go and what we do. And a simple shift from judgment to curiosity with a question like, what do I need more of? Or what do I need less of today? I also love the question, what do I wish someone would give me permission to do? Like for for those people who are in a place of really needing external validation, if you're like sitting here listening to this conversation and thinking, I wouldn't even know how to answer, you know, what's one thing I need more of or what's one thing I need less of. You might not be at that place quite yet. Like I feel like a great precursor to that is what do I wish someone would give me permission to do? Because it's like, you're, what are you looking for like validation for in your life? And that can be, that can be really helpful too. And to the conversation that we were having around just like being socialized to feel like we have to do what we should do and feeling so disconnected from ourselves. I think in terms of the body conversation and 
having more self-trust when it comes to body stuff. I think when the underlying story is that my body is a problem that needs to be fixed. Yeah. We want to do like what you were talking about. You know, it's like, I need to do the exact same workout. I need to be on the treadmill for hours. I need to do this or that. When you shift the story to my body, all bodies are inherently good or, you know, like my body is not a problem and it's my responsibility to like really take care of her. Then I feel like you get to unlock so many more possibilities and find what feels good. And like when you're describing these like amazing 20 minutes of movement and like 10 minutes of meditation and this much more like nurturing, calm, connected like routine that you're in, I feel like that, that can really, the possibility of that can really get unlocked when we rewrite like the underlying narrative. I think that that is really, really powerful. And that's something that you talk about, um, you know, on your blog, on your platform, you talked a lot about like this diet, this idea of diet culture, right. And like that, that's kind of where a lot of us, I know that was the case for me. I mean, I, it came from a variety of different places where I picked up this idea that my body was the problem and that like, I needed all of these different cleanses and diets and programs and detoxes. And to do the two hours of working out, if I wanted to be able to fix my body, do you feel like it's just that simple of a shift for most women? Once they have the awareness around the fact that diet culture is a thing that they can then say like, okay, well, my body's not the problem anymore. This industry is the problem, or is it a little bit more complex than that? And do we have to, um, take a little bit more time with that shift? I think in some ways, it's that simple. And in some ways it's much more complex. So the way that I think it's simple is a little bit like the wizard of Oz, right? Where she like sees the wizard and she's like, wait, this guy isn't like a wizard at all. This is like a man behind like this curtain. I do think there is a little bit of like a pulling back of a curtain when you understand diet culture. And it's like, whoa, I know this now and I can't unsee it. Yeah, And that I think is a really powerful moment of awareness that can help with the fact like that this story that our bodies are so problematic and it's our life's mission to just fix them and be thinking about that all the time. It's like, okay, that's a, that's a lie that came from what I thought was going on here, but now I know different, but it still has impacted your subconscious beliefs. And there's still a lot of people walking around holding that belief and you still have to hear about it a lot. So I think there is ongoing, always ongoing work of learning how to connect to yourself, how to be, you know, intrinsically driven and intrinsically connected versus like the external messaging. A hundred percent. I am really, so I think that we talked a lot about, we talked about your story. We talked about my story about like, both of us lost our period. I think from, um, like this disordered relationship with food that came from this whole, like limiting belief that diet culture taught us. Right. And so for me, I also had, um, really horrible bloating and like stomach issues that kind of popped up after that, um, hormonal issues that I had to like work on and fix. That's kind of like what built my whole business. I'm curious for you, do you see that happening with like physical symptoms popping up for people in your practice when they've been dealing with disordered eating or disordered relationship with food and movement for an extended period of time? And if so, what does that look like? Yes, definitely. I think the digestive distress that you described is very common. I also experienced that um, because your body is not used to digesting food like at a normal cadence, right? Because the, the experience with eating and with the restriction and with all of that stuff has been um, like dramatically changed. And so your digestive system has been responding to those behaviors for a period of time. And so that's very, very common. The hormonal imbalances for sure. Um, Also things like uh, 
the more like emotional, but also like manifesting like in physical symptoms of anxiety, um, you know, like nervousness and social situations, things like that can be, can be really big as well. Um, and the hormonal balancing work is so important after that, because I mean, the way that we know that we're hungry and full is because of hormones in our bodies. Right. And obviously the stress from having a disordered relationship with food that is the hormones are involved in that. Like there's just so many levels where it's all so interconnected. Um, and so all of the symptoms that you described, I think are very commonly experienced in, um, the women that, you know, I've connected with also, I relate to all of those in my own journey as well. hundred percent. I think that, um, it really does span that whole spectrum of like physical, mental, emotional, because then food is also comfort and pleasure. And so then we feel like if we do get into that place of like the binging or the overeating or the comfort eating, then we feel like the guilt and the shame around it. And so there's so many complexities. And so for somebody who let's say they, you know, they are trying to delve into more of an intuitive eating journey and they want to dip their toe in the water, but then they also have like all of these rules around. And I know you're somebody who has dealt with like, you have celiac, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there, there are so many people who I think that they're like, well, I'm gluten intolerant or I'm dairy intolerant. Um, or I can't eat, you know, broccoli because it was on a food sensitivities test. And so then they end up with all of these rules and they feel like I, well, what can I eat? What's your first recommendation for somebody who's trying to dip their toe in while also trying to preserve their health and trying to, you know, balance their hormones and feel good in their body. Yeah. So I feel really grateful that I have celiac disease because, um, (laughs) I feel like it's allowed me to talk about intuitive eating and say like, you can have a health situation that requires you to eat in a, you know, like in a certain way that fits into the framework of intuitive eating, literally like one of the principles. And I think this gets lost on, in social media, like with the, all the, you know, posts about like eat the donut, which I'm all in favor of food freedom and permission and everything. But one of the 10 principles of intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. And so, and are any like nutritional needs can fit into that framework. And I think what I would offer two things. The first is when you said, you know, but they like, they want to be healthy and they're concerned about their health. Um, I think people can have whatever values they want to have. For me personally, health is a priority and it is a value. Um, I don't, I'm, you know, everyone decide what you want to decide for yourself, but for people who do have that, as a priority and a value. What I think is so amazing about intuitive eating are all of the hundreds of studies that show that this way of this framework of thinking about eating and relating to eating actually improves overall health outcomes like across the board. And I know for me personally, it was my attempts, all these healthy quote unquote, healthy things I was trying to do when I was so restrictive, so obsessive, so over the top that actually led to health challenges. Um, And so I think it's helpful for people to read their research about how this way of thinking about food is not anti-health. And so I would start there because I know for me, that was really important in the beginning. I'm like, I'm going to need to read those research studies again. I just really wanted to see that information and you can read people have that misconception, right? Where it's like, oh, intuitive eating means anti-health because it's like, oh, I'm going to eat Oreos in my yogurt at breakfast. Like that's, and it's like, it doesn't have to be that. Totally, totally. And depending on where you are at, when you start your intuitive eating journey, there may be beginning parts of your journey where you are working to make peace with certain foods that like, I wouldn't be making peace with gluten. Like it's, it wasn't like, well, now I have to eat gluten because I'm an intuitive eater. No, I have celiac disease. I'm not eating gluten. 
but I needed to make peace with like food groups that had been off limits and like maybe some gluten-free baked goods. And in the beginning, when something's been off limits and then you make it available, sometimes Mm. people do eat more of those things, like right at the start, Mm. but that is it. But then once you know, like I can have this anytime, like it isn't going anywhere. It's not being taken away. And also there isn't like the emotional, I'm bad when I eat this. So because I just had some, I better eat as much of it as I can because tomorrow it's, I'm going to like take that. it away. Yeah. It's like the last meal mentality so goes away. I wonder why when they have like an off limits food, they can't control them, like can't control themselves yeah. around it. And it's like, oh my gosh, like knowing that, like, it's like, it's like, that way the human mind works. Anything that's off limits, we're going to feel like we want more of because then there's going to be a time period where it's cut off and you can't have it. And so just saying that, I think gives people so much of an understanding of like why they even have guilt around certain foods. Absolutely. There's like the mental, emotional component of this is so huge. I So I would recommend checking out the research studies. Anyone can go to intuitiveeating.org and like read the research studies. But the second thing I would actually recommend for anyone who's like interested, read the book or listen to the audiobook or whatever it might be, Intuitive Eating by uh, Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Reich. They wrote the book. It goes into all 10 principles. And this is not always the thing that I would have said as like a beginning step, but now that social media is like now that there's so many mixed messages about intuitive eating on social media, I feel like it's actually in everyone's best interest to like actually understand what the principles are. Or like you can go to intuitiveeating.org and there's a like there's a blog post about the 10 principles. But it's really amazing when you see them all working together and you get this holistic look at what the goal of intuitive eating is Mm -hmm. and understanding how all the principles play together. To me, reading the book was the moment where I was like, I am not scared of this anymore. Like this makes so much sense. And I see that this is like a bridge to the experience with food and in my body that like, I am so desiring to have. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like me reading that book was so, so helpful. And then understanding even like, where are like my rules? Are they physical rules? Like, are, do I, am I like cat? Like I was for so long calorie restricting, but there was other rules that I had around food too, because, and I, you talk about this a lot. Like there was like, um, you know, mental rules that I had around food and, um, like where I would say like, oh, well, I can't have pizza. Pizza's bad. And then that would make me feel like I was shitty when I ate pizza. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I know, um, you've talked about that on social media before as well. Absolutely. I always love to look at three different areas of restriction. The first is physical restriction, right? So the most obvious is someone not eating enough, you know, like calorie restricting or even just restricting maybe like a whole macronutrient group, right? Like depending on like what generation people are born in. Keto and low carb now. Yeah. It's like keto and low carb. And then I feel like probably like for our parents, I don't know, was it like low fat? Like there was like a low fat. Yeah. And so everybody, you know, different times in life, there are like macronutrients that are like demonized. And so that could be a form of restriction too. It's like, maybe I'm eating, you know, enough food, but I'm not eating like all the kinds of food that my body needs. And so we always want to look at physical restriction also for, I mean, I know that a lot of people are into like fasting windows and stuff like that. Like there are many people that that does not work for. And if you're like, wow, I'm restricting the time that I'm eating within, like that could be a form of physical restriction. Again, I'm not telling anyone what they should or shouldn't do. It's just something to look at. You know, I think that you even saying that though, like I, and I think I, I speak out about this because I, I've tried like all of the things and I feel like all of them ended up being like a way for me to like restrict, like all of them. And like, including the fasting, like it was just another form of disordered eating for me. And it may not be that way for every single person out there, but if you're if you look inward and ask yourself, like, 
why am I trying to do time restricted eating? What am I thinking that this is going to accomplish for me? And for me, the answer was always because I want to eat a smaller amount of food in the day. It's like, okay, well then that's not healthy or nourishing or going to be doing any good for your body. And, and what I learned after years of doing research on hormones and stuff, it's like, it's actually causing more stress, especially if you're a woman. Yes. Um, so I'm I, yet to see any, and it could be out there. I'm not someone who like does, you know, aggressive research on intermittent yeah. fasting. I'm yet to see any research that shows it's like a benefit for women and our hormonal health. Same. I mean, it could Men be out there, but they are run on that 24 hour circadian rhythm. So like, that's why my husband, he can go out and do that and it's fine yep. and he can fast and he doesn't feel but like if I do it if I'm like anxious I want it I want something to eat right now I'm like hangry I'm irritable totally oh, this is not working totally to cut you off You're no not at all it's like this is such a that's such like a valuable part of the conversation and I think the thing is if you are someone who's listening to this and you're like, I feel incredible in my relationship with food, then you don't need to examine this. But if you're someone who's like, something feels amiss, these yeah. are great questions to ask. So like, is there physical restriction? Huh. Is there mental restriction? And mental restriction is the rules about it. Even if you're not following the rules, people underestimate the what is going on in their mind and the power that it has. If I will use pizza as an example, if I have a rule that pizza is bad and I shouldn't eat pizza and I'm eating pizza. And the whole time I'm thinking this is bad and I shouldn't be eating this. That is a form of restriction. It's making you feel like this is going to be taken away. Mm. It's making you feel guilt. It's making you feel shame. It's stressful on your body. So we always want to look at the mental restriction. And some people are like, I'm not restricting. I eat all the foods I eat all the time, whatever but there's so much mental restriction going on. And then as a third level, I always think it's important to look at emotional restriction as well. So rest, pleasure, connection, are there things that you are not getting that you need? And also like another form of emotional restriction is like, are you pushing down your feelings? Are you trying to distract from your feelings? Do you have ways of processing and communicating and experiencing your emotions that feel healthy and supportive for you, because that can also, you know, show up in our relationship with food. So I love to look at, look at it through the lens of where is there restriction here? And I mean, I'm yet to find a scenario where someone's like, oh, you know, I'm talking to a woman and it's like, I'm struggling in my relationship with food. And there isn't one or more of those kinds of restriction going on. I want to talk as we wrap things up specifically about the emotional restriction, because mm -hmm. I think that this piece is what I, I mean, I, what in the women I work with, I see a lot of things like physical restriction, mental restriction, but I think I can say for like 95 plus percent of the women that I work with some sort of emotional restriction where we're not allowing ourselves rest most importantly. And that's why so many of the people I work with end up coming to me because they feel so overwhelmed and they never feel like there's time for rest and pleasure. Um, like those two things that you said, like, I think that it's like, I want to serve everybody else and take care of everybody else and make sure that everybody else is happy before I can even give myself one moment of peace. And we kind of talked about why that is and how that kind of search for external validation is typically what the, a lot of the root of that is. But if somebody is, is looking for, you know, like, how do I give myself a little bit more rest? How do I give myself a little bit more pleasure without feeling the guilt around it? Yeah. So this is where I absolutely love to bring in like a self-compassion practice because I like to think about our inner, our inner narrative. Like we got in, I mean, we have a lot more parts than this, but we have like an inner child, we have an inner critic. And then I call my voice of self-compassion, like the inner mother. And so if we think about trying to rest and feeling guilty about it, whether we actually technically like let our bodies rest, but just don't really get the benefits of it because we're stressing the whole time or we just can't even get there to that place. There is probably an inner child who has 
um, a fear or a desire, right? So that might be something like, I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. Um, I want to be seen. I like whatever it might be. We have the inner critic who is like self-bashing in an effort to make that happen, right? So if we believe my value comes from serving other people, I'm a two Enneagram, so I'm a helper. And I like, so this comes up for me a lot. I'm just like, I want to be helpful. Can I, can I help? (laughs) Um, and it's hard to, it was, it was hard for me to be like my, I'm valuable even when I'm not helping. And so for anyone else who, you know, has a version of that, it's like my inner child wants to like, wants to feel loved and accepted. I feel like the way that I can make that happen is by helping. And my inner critic is like, you better help. (laughs) And anything you want to do that's not helpful, like, no, we're going to feel really badly about that because of that desire, right? It's trying to protect the desired outcome. Mm -hmm. And so I always love to just tune into that stuff there. It's like, okay, wait, what, what are these parts of me like afraid of? What do they desire? And holding that for yourself because that those things are very real. And then bringing in the the voice of self compassion, the for me the inner mother, <laughs> who's like, she is wise and she is honest. And you know the components of self compassion, which Dr. Kristen Neff talks about, are um, mindfulness. Uh, kindness and common humanity. So bringing that in, like, you know, you're not alone, the common humanity of this, um, speaking to yourself with kindness and being mindful of how you feel. And I feel like in those moments, it's like my inner mother can come in and can say, like, I know you want to be loved and accepted. And I know that you feel like the way to do that is, is to help, but I'm here to let you know that like your needs matter too. And it's time for us to rest. And really like building up that other inner voice. And it's like, she know, mom knows best. So like, we're going to listen to what, to what she says and then start to practice doing things that feel restful and make it anytime we're doing something uncomfortable. I always want us to support ourselves as much as we possibly can. If you are someone who is not resting much and that's really hard. Let's make you feel as supported as we possibly can in that rest, whether that's doing something like really small, whether that might be waking up like before your family gets up and having some quiet time for yourself before anyone else needs you, whether it might be resting with someone else because that feels more supportive. I think thinking through like what would be a first step that you like where you could feel supported um, taking that. So I think it's like the practice, the experience, and then you build up that trust, right? Like that, hey, I was just gonna okay, back I'm up. okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay when I do this. And I think that that's the beauty of the work that you do is that it all really like is so interrelated and we can kind of see how these different examples play out in different areas. And, and you can always build that trust in yourself no matter what, the experiences. And so I think that that's, that's really beautiful. I actually have a client who, um, was talking to me last week and this is a particular thing that she's working on. And she was like, you know, I don't feel comfortable just yet, like going shopping by myself or going to get a facial by myself. But she's like, what I've done is now I'm going to go and cook because I didn't, didn't use to cook. So I'm going to cook with my daughter or I'm going to um, go get a facial with my mom. And so I feel like less alone in it, less guilty for doing the act of caring for myself, but I'm still doing it. And it's still a baby step. And I think you do build up that trust in the same way. And then there will become a day where she feels comfortable enough to do it by herself. And so I love that you said that, like making it more simplified and um, doing it in those really small steps where it feels safe. That's such a beautiful example. And yeah. I love that you're supporting her to, to do that. Um, and like, don't knock your baby steps, right? Like we're all, we're all taking baby steps somewhere. And that's like a, be- that's a beautiful place to be. Thank you. And I, I think that, yeah, we can, we can all do this work. It's just a matter of where, 
where you have the opportunity to be offering yourself more compassion and to be looking inward. So um, the one question that I like to end with all of my guests is around this idea of balancing chaos. And I've watched, like I said, I mean, even since I was coaching with you, I've watched your journey. I watched that you, you know, you went and you worked for a startup like, was that last year or two years ago? Yeah, the last two, I, I was at a startup um, the last two years. Okay, so, and then now you're back and you're coaching, you started a podcast, you have a workout or a, I should call it movement platform called Unmeasured. And so you have created this whole beautiful business while at the same time having these two young kids and a marriage and a home. And I think that for so many of us mothers who are entrepreneurs, it does feel like balancing chaos. And so in your life, yes, <laughs> what is your biggest tip to our audience for how they can balance the chaos? I really feel like I try to seek connection mm -hmm. with the most important people in my life, you know, day to day. So like my kids, my husband find small moments of connection with my kids. I read this book called Scattered Minds by Gabor, Gabor Mate. And he gives this tip of like, before your kid asks you to play with them, you ask them to play with you. And so I really try each morning before school to have that time, just be like really focused on the kids. And I try to proactively invite them to do one small thing with me each morning. And it is wild the way that their faces light up. If my son, you know, wakes up in the morning and I'm like, but I missed you so much. Like while you were sleeping, can we go read like one dinosaur from your encyclopedia book? And so I try to create that like very proactive moment of connection with them because it's small. And there are days where I have a lot of time to give to my kids and days where I have very, you know, little time together with them. And so that feels really good. And then I think with, uh, like with my husband, again, just asking each other, like, how was your day today? And actually like listening for the response, um, really like having those moments of feeling like, oh, this person like loves me and cares about me enough to like want to hear what I'm experiencing. And again, it could be just a few minutes. Ideal, I get a lot more than that with all of them, but I feel like that proactive moment of curiosity with them is so huge. Just like I try to take those proactive moments with myself. I love that. I think that connection can really allow us to feel more balanced in all of the days. Like, and that's different than any other piece of advice that we've gotten thus far. So I love, like, I love different and new, and I think that it can help people absolutely feel more balanced. One thing that I want to say before I let you go that I find super interesting in that conversation that we were having around like foods being off limits and, um, kind of feeling like we're out of control around them. I noticed this so much in my kids and I'm curious is to, if you do too, cause I used to have, like when I first had my first son, I was, I was like, he can only have healthy foods and he can't have sugar and he can't have a donut. And like, I would notice that like, then when he was around those things, he would be out of control. Now that we have stuff in our house and he could just like feel there, there's no like craziness or chaos around the food. And I think that they can just serve as these little examples for us that if we go back to, there's like this wisdom that little kids have because they're, they're, they're so in trust their bodies. They haven't learned all of these rigid rules that we have learned along the way. Um, and they trust their intuition around food so much. And I just am curious if, if that is something you've noticed with your kids. I don't know if you ever were rigid with them around food. I totally notice that when there's the permission and like the access, yeah. that there is so much peace around it and yeah. so much, I'm going to use the term self-regulation. And I, by that, I just mean like, that they eat what feels good and they stop when, when, they're when they're full, you know, and it's amazing. And kids really are like the most incredible mirrors. I mean, m my gosh, motherhood has taught me <laughs> so <Yeah>. much. <laughs> what a learning curve. They're such amazing mirrors and they teach us so much. And I, I think it's such a beautiful example of what that real, like, you know, that permission and access can do for you and your relationship with your food. And they demonstrate it so beautifully. 
hundred percent. So I just wanted to close with that. Um, Simi, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're a busy lady and I really, really appreciate just you coming and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom and giving your grounding energy to our audience. Where can everybody find you if they want to come and learn more from you or move with you? All of the things. Yeah. Uh, Simi Bodich on Instagram and my website is simibodich.com or movementunmeasured.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Simi. Thank you, Kelly. I hope that you loved that episode and that you found some helpful tools and insights to help you heal and come back to the most vital version of yourself. If you did, please rate, review, and subscribe to our show. That's the best way to support us. You can follow me on Instagram at wellnessbykelly and sign up now for the seven-day free trial of the WBK app and our health and hormones course through Labor Day. When you do, you'll get 20% off of the course and 10% off the annual membership. For the course, use the code BALANCINGCHAOS20, that's B-A-L-A-N-C-I-N-G-C-H-A-O-S-2-0. And for the membership, use the code BALANCINGCHAOS, all one word. In our course, you'll get access to an emailed lab review plus protocols that are built out to help you heal whatever hormonal imbalance you're struggling with. For our membership, you'll receive a library of content in our app with low impact workouts, blood sugar balancing recipes, and mindfulness meditations, all designed to help you balance your hormones naturally and feel like your most beautiful, joyful, and vital self. Thanks so much for joining. See you in the next episode.